Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club still holding on to that 100% record to start the new campaign. Just. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. And hello to David in Ward 9, who has got piles, and this is a (laughs) shout-out to you. We interrupt this commentary to say hi to you, David, and everyone else in the ward. So I hope you're doing better. It's not quite Ivan Brackenbury's shout-outs on Hospital Radio FM, but that's what it certainly sounded like during the game at the weekend when you did commentary of Hearts against Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> have I have I hurt your emotion? Have I made you go all sad? And has that annoyed you? Not at all. Not at all. Tried tried something different to to fill some gaps and um, went down well with a lot of people, but not so well with with others, including Mark. Satisfy some of the people some of the time, son, but you'll never satisfy all the people all the time. Bottom line, who cares? Bottom line is Hearts won, and they won at East Fife last night. But you're on your own with that one because. I would have paid 10 quid to East Fife, but I was out and about because um, because there was apparently water spouting from an ISDN line. So oh, you were un- uh, unable to get access to that. What is that about you in away days? Our broth, East Fife? What's yeah. next? Dunfermline? Oh, God. No, well, surely that surely that will go. That will go smoothly. Um, no, I did offer to do 90 minutes of shout outs. Um <laughs> Touche, very good. But in all seriousness, um, <laughs> we will we will we will we will adjust the the shout out section to be Scott Wilson style. I think I, would be a good Before idea. Before and after. Before oh. midway, uh, yeah. Well, you know, half time maybe fill fill some of the half time break possibly. Yeah. But anyway, that's let's not get into that. We've, we've got into that enough um, off here. Uh, yeah, East Fife, one of these things. Don't know if don't know if you had to trudge around some of these grounds doing Hearts TV back in your oh, day. Yes. Oh yes, but only, and only it never, for a it never really ended well back then either. No, so nothing's, nothing's changed. No, nothing has changed much, unfortunately. So yeah, difficult, uh, difficult evening from that perspective, and a difficult evening in many ways in what we saw. But we'll talk about that briefly. Um, fairly briefly in terms of the match action because, as you've stated, you were unable to see it and um, I want to unsee it. And um, we'll talk a bit more about the Inverness game that preceded that as well as we, um, yeah, as again, we we carry on our hearts-focused podcast which will also have um, a little bit of a look back um, in a few moments to... Something that was just over 14 years ago, something happened. And there's been a bit of coverage about this um, particular incident elsewhere in the, the world of the media. And uh, Mark's done a little bit of work. You've you've done more work than I have for this podcast. I thought that was only fair, given you did five hours of prep for an East Fife game and you weren't even able to commentate. So I, <laughs> I felt sorry for you there. And uh, and after that opening to the show where I lambasted you, I think it's only fair I give something it's back not my, to the masses. Yeah, it's it's just not been my week, has it? Um, no, it's not. Didums. Well, let's 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 hope uh, things are looking up by the time we get to the end of the show. <laughs> okay. Well, first stop. I'm I'm just gonna I'm not even gonna set the 
set the scene for this one, Mark. I'll, I'll hand over to you. What what have you what have you got for us? In fact, what I'll do, I'll just mention um, because I laughed when you mentioned to me what you were doing because I, <laughs> I posted a I posted a tweet in response to something. Um, and you know you know me, I, I I get myself in trouble with tweets on a semi <laughs> on a semi regular basis anyway. But there was a, a post from Mundial Mag which said. Vladimir Romanov's eight-year reign of terror as Heart of Midlothian's <laughs> owner had it all. Um, and it carries on to say a few of the things and the fact that there was a, a podcast coming up. And I, and I posted a, a a picture, it was a gif actually, of a monkey playing a piano with the, tag, <laughs> with the tagline dramatic music. And I just posted the words reign of terror in capital letters, which um, it just it made me kind of burst out laughing when I just saw it. Just a little chuckle when I I spotted that pop up on my timeline because it was very dramatic and I thought responding with a, a monkey, <laughs> almost an organ grinder monkey, would be very fitting from a Romanov perspective. And then I, I think just shortly after you sent me a thing saying, what were you telling me? <laughs> oh, which particular thing? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, uh, right, it's Mundial Magazine um, have, have kind of teamed up with Spotify uh, to tell football stories, ones that might not have been heard by too many people, uh, if you're not a supporter of that football club. And I got a call in August from a guy who I used to work with at the Sunday, well, I didn't work at the Sunday Times, but he used to do the beat, the journalist beat, and uh, Scottish football and hearts and hibs. Um, Neil White. Neil went on to set up um, Backpage, which is a very successful uh, publishing company, which deals with Graham Hunter, and does his podcast and various other things. And um, they, they, they said, look, we've got this idea to do a podcast about the Rickerton Three. Do you want to get involved? So I said, yeah. So um, it's now out. And I have to say, when, when, I, when I saw the, the, the comments um, that they put out, Mundial, the eight-year reign of terror and the mutiny <laughs> at heart, I, as, you'll, as you'll hear sh- shortly when Neil joined me for a wee chat about this, um, it isn't really. It's a story about Rickerton Three, told by Stephen Presley, Paul Hartley, Craig Gordon, narrated by Martin Gregg, who was at the Herald at the time, and I'm in it as well um, because I was at Radio Fourth at the time and was there on that day when the press conference went. So when I heard it, I thought, "Oh, okay. It's it's. I'm not saying it's very well produced, but it's it, as far as the excitement and the drama is concerned." Um, yeah, there, there was no real mutiny. It wasn't really an eight-year reign of terror, but they had to try and tell the story and get people who didn't know about the story intrigued and interested and downloading the podcast. So you can make your own mind up after you listen to it and see what you think. What it did do, Laurie, it took me back. Um, I'd forgotten a lot of the things that had kind of happened in 2006 because there were so many crazy things. It's like It's like trying to say... Uh, if, if Donald Trump does one daft thing, then it stands out. It doesn't because he's done many daft things. Back in the Romanov era, there were many things that happened. So it's nice to just kind of kind of look back over those 14 years ago at what actually happened during the reign of terror and the mutiny at hearts. Well, well, let's listen to your your chat then um, about this, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll take it from there. So. This is uh, Mark Donaldson's um, pre-match preparation. 
So there seems to be 486,322 Hearts podcasts out right now. Uh, we weren't the first at Scarves Around the Funnel, um, but we like to think that we're, we're certainly up there as, as far as people's listening habits are concerned every week, that we put out a decent product. And there's also another podcast out there that, that's not a weekly Hearts podcast. Um, it's, uh, it's an intermittent podcast. Uh, a periodical podcast from Mundial, um, and it's on Spotify. And the topic this week of Giants podcast is the Rickerton 3. Now, it's excellent, I have to say that, but they, they really have hammed up the drama um, for the non-Hearts supporters. And they've told the story very well, and I'm delighted to say that one of the people involved is one of the head honchos at Backpage, the book company, that sells millions of copies. Neil White, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. If only that was true. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine, Mark. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I was one of the producers of the, of the episode that you're talking about, but my voice isn't on the piece. So, you know, yours is. So we have one producer and one star of the, of the episode in question. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, the, the, the stars, well, there were three of them, but one in particular. Uh, he was the one that spoke. The other two, I described them, I think, as security guards. Uh, Craig Gordon and Paul Hartley, they flanked Stephen Presley. Now, we all know the story. This is a Hearts podcast. People don't need to kind of go over that ground. I want to I just speak to you about how you went about this. Who came up with the idea? Was it Martin Gregg, who narrates the piece and used to work at the Herald, now works with you? Or how did it all come about to begin with? Okay, so Martin and I were listening to the first season of Giant, which is... It's now a Spotify original. I'm not sure if that was the case when it started. That is to say that you can only listen to it on the Spotify app. And um, they were telling a standalone football story every single week. The, they were longer then. They were about 45 minutes to an hour. And they covered, I mean, they did one on the relocation of Wimbledon, um, AFC Wimbledon. They did one on Ronaldo's formative year at PSV Eindhoven. Uh, that's Ronaldo 9. Um, they did one on the Nigeria Olympic team from the 90s, and we thought they were really, really interesting. And then we found out that they were preparing a second season. The runtime was coming down to sort of 20 minutes, and they were pitching for external production. So we thought we'd send them a few ideas and see which one they were most interested in. And it took them all of 10 seconds to go for the Rickerton 3. They didn't know much at all about the story. They really liked it straight away. And then when Martin um, mentioned that he had actually been there in person on the day, it was all over. You know, at that point, they were like, well, this is perfect. Let's just go ahead with this one. How much did you have to leave out? Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, we, we have been trying to think of ways to tell this story for a wee while, like we have, we've actually spoken to um, a guy that makes documentary films, um, specifically football documentaries, about it, and he's been really keen for feels like a couple of years now. And so we had the sort of full version in our notebooks. You know, we had we had files on on the desktops of the computer in the office that that had sort of storyboarded the whole thing um, across an hour, an hour plus. 
to get it down to 22 minutes, you know, that's that's a pretty tight runtime. You need to get up and down fairly sharp. So we wanted to zero in as much as we could on the press conference itself. But collecting the stories, especially collecting the stories from the three protagonists. I mean, we, we chatted to, to Stephen, for example, for more than an hour and spoke to him for longer off the record. Craig, back at Hearts, uh, um, was a tighter conversation, but I mean, it was way, way more than we, we used on the, on the show. And um, Martin went up on his own to speak to Paul Cove Rangers. And again, Paul was really generous with his time. And we had loads of great tape from all three of them. And it was kind of painful, but we had to have an engine for the story. And we thought the, the actual moment itself was, was what we wanted to zero in on. Now, for listeners that aren't Hearts fans, you do need to set the table, right? You need to have as much kind of background uh, context as is required to fully understand what happened that day. But we wanted to get, <laughs> we had to cut to the car chase as quickly as we can. Who's the podcast aimed at? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, Spotify are, Spotify are a global company and they want to pitch these stories to as many people as are interested in football who use that app. So it's certainly, the answer is certainly not Hearts, Hearts fans primarily. And we were, you know, we wanted to tell the story. We didn't want to assume that you were even that familiar with Scottish football. So I remember, we, I mean, we worked, we, we sent a few drafts of the script, the paper edit, and then the final version to Spotify. And it was a real collaboration. They, they, they gave us loads of feedback. And I remember one of the first notes they gave us was a line in Martin's links at the top when he was describing the fact that he was a sports journalist for the Herald. He had a line that said something like, um, mostly covering the old firm. And they insisted that we explain that the old firm were ranged in Celtic. So maybe that example, that small example, is, is the best way to answer your question. It's a very interesting listen for Hearts fans. Uh, like Martin, I was there at the press conference. But when I first spoke to you, when I was at the US Open in, in this hotel room overlooking a dumpster truck and a, an airport, um, I, I, kind of, <laughs> I, I forgot a couple of things just with the the timeline of it. Did you find that Paul and Craig and Stephen Presley were okay with the timeline of, of everything that happened? Um, or did you find that there were a couple of things they said that you had to correct them with? First of all, don't play down the luxury of your posting at the US Open tennis, Mark. That's not fair. We would have all swapped places with you. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody contradicted anybody else I, I don't think so i mean they all knew exactly what we wanted to talk to them about we'd given all three of those guys as much you know fair warning as possible that we were going to be drilling down in the details um of that season and that day in particular stephen was very meticulous he was kind of really careful with his with his memories and he would stop during the interview um he would you know check things with us and but it, you know in the end I think they were all fairly solid. I would say that we used the other two guys more for the build-up, for the context, mm. for what was happening that season, what had happened previously in season five, six. And then with Stephen, we really wanted to get down to the, the, the detail of the preparation of the statement and then the day itself of the press conference. If, if it had never happened and you made that story up about what had happened, 
people wouldn't have believed you. It's still ridiculous all these years on. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was a journalist as well at the time. I was working for the Sunday Times. Mm-hmm. And I was covering, I mean, Martin says at the top of the piece that he was usually the old firm. I was covering Hearts. That was that was the story that I was most interested in. And it had been from the start of 5-6 of um, when, when Burley came. Uh, I remember... At this, I think I, I think I saw them live right at the start of that season, and then I got uh, a one-on-one interview for the newspaper with Simon Hunt, who had yep. of, mm-hmm. who was Burley's assistant manager, and he had been the he had he had been as, as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast knows he'd been the sort of mastermind behind the recruitment, certainly the recruitment that, that Burley had been in charge of. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of the the players that had come in were through Roman's own network as well, but. Um, Simon was one of the most interesting interviews that um, I think I ever sat down for in 10 years as a newspaper journalist. I just was absolutely hooked. Um, And from that moment on, I was really interested in that story. And um, yeah, it was, (laughs) as it unfolded, it was as heartbreaking for a journalist, certainly for this journalist. That's not true, is it? It wasn't quite as heartbreaking for this journalist as it was for Hearts fans to see it kind of slip away and i i i know i mean from the reaction on on twitter from hearts fans to the to the piece i know that there's an awful lot of you guys listening to this podcast that, that look back on this period with really fond memories and for good reason it was an incredible football team and, and there were some fantastic victories um in that period but i remember watching that that team at the start of that season just thinking that it was all up for grabs here. And what, as a journalist, I, I mean, I, when Leicester won the Premier League, I was speaking to a bunch of guys that I know who, who were covering that league and specifically that team, saying, you know, this is what, this is what I guess it would have felt like if Hearts had gone the distance in 5-6. You know, this impossible story, just getting more and more and more real. Well, it's one of these we'll never know. And, and we had Robbie Nielsen and Craig Gordon both on our podcast over the last three months or so and they disagree one thinks they might have done and one thinks they 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 didn't I think Robbie was the one that wasn't sure if they had the legs because if you remember um, and I'm sure when you sat down with Simon Hunt um, they had to start games quickly it wasn't the best pre-season they had Julian Brelli playing back-to-back days because they weren't sure and but they blew teams away (laughs) I I know you're I know you're talking about from the outside looking in Um, me being part fan and and part journalist was was weird because I was paid to be a journalist, um, and but I'm also a fan. And for others, going that day, it's, it's something that you'll never know. W- would they win the league? Um, we we don't know. At least I had at least I had a nice finish to the season by by winning the cup. But interesting, the the guys that yeah. you've spoken to and and we've spoken to as well, they were running on fumes against Gretna. Um, they they'd given so much. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll ever see anything not like that again, but anything as dramatic a story emanating from a Scottish football club? Uh, I mean, are you, are you talking about you know the whole the whole era, the whole you know the span of the Roman era, or that that particular day? Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, it was unlike anything. I was delivering newspapers in Aberdeen as a you know a 13, 12, 13 year old when Aberdeen were winning their last league title. I think I've probably got that just about right. Yeah, maybe 11 years old when Aberdeen, you know, won the last non-old firm title. I'm 45 now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's how, that's how 
that's how hard it is to 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 duke it out with um with Rangers and Celtic. In, in financial terms, I'd say the gap is probably bigger now. Oh, it is. It is in and, terms and, of the drama, you know. And it, it, sorry, go on, Mark. No, the the drama of of that day is going to be hard to to, to replicate. But just just to yeah. end, um, Scottish football and its place at the big table of European football, of world football, or whatever, it, it's got a place. But as far as the drama is concerned, that emanates from our game, from the Dundee spam folder, going back to the Hearts at Rickerton 3, fast-forwarding to the Rangers' demotion, whatever you want to call it, it's got a ridiculous amount of drama compared with other leagues, given the small size of what it is. I wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has to be something. It has to be reflective of something broader in the culture. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but um, you know, I love these. Sto- I I love these stories that you can kind of. It's almost like a Polaroid picture, right? It's like a a really great story that, that fits in a box and you can kind of tell it from beginning to end in a relatively short period of time. Um, but it kind of, you know, it evokes memories in, in us all. And I agree with you. When you were saying that, I was thinking of Chick Charnley uh, <laughs> swirling a sword around his head on a party pistol training ground, which is another one that springs to mind. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I agree. There's something, there's something, um, there's something strange about Scottish football sometimes. And it's one of the things that, that can, can make it charming and unique and maybe even a little bit remarkable sometimes to the outside world. You know, it's one of the things that, that stands out about it. If only we had people in charge that knew how to market our game properly. But that's an argument for another day. Um, before I let you go, <laughs> how, do you, how do we... <laughs> how do you market Chick Charlie with a sword? <laughs> <laughs> how do we get to hear this podcast about the Rickerton 3? Give us the details, please. Okay, so you can only listen to it on the Spotify app, which doesn't cost any money. If you haven't got a Spotify account, you will have to get one. And then on the Spotify app, search for Giant Podcast, and then you'll, um, you'll see all of their episodes. And right now, the Hearts one will be at the very top. It's called Mutiny at Hearts. It's, um, it's about 22 minutes of your day. Um, I do hope that everybody listening enjoys it. And before I go, Mark, I'd also like to say hello to um, to two guys that I used to share a flat with uh, in the spring and summer of 1998. Massive Jambos, big fans of the podcast. Uh, so we had a we had a good time um, in that flat, especially that summer after um, certain Scottish <laughs> Cup final. I was I think I was an honorary heart supporter for a month or two. So hello to na- Mike and Colin. I was going to say that you want to give us some names. No, Mike and Colin. I'm sure they will be. Excellent. Thank you very much. So that was Mark Donaldson talking to Neil White about the the giant podcast, Mutiny at Hearts, which came out on Spotify last week. If you want to find it, you can search Giant or you can follow Mundial on Twitter. They've got all the info there. It's at Mundial Mag. Um, 22 minutes, the actual episode, if you want to listen to the podcast itself, which I have done so just earlier this evening. Uh, all very dramatic, Mark. Very, yeah, very was. in. Very it goes with the uh, tweet that went out before that we we spoke about um, with 
the narration and, and backing music. It's very well put together, like you said, very Super, well produced yeah. and, and edited. And doesn't only takes two minutes before we hear from you as well. You've got your place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. It was, uh, and you know, listening to you, um, listening to to you guys chat, it's interesting how it was. You know, thinking of them selling this story, so to speak. You know, they they obviously they pitched this as an idea and straight away it snapped up and mm-hmm. and it's like anything isn't it you know you, you watch a you watch a hollywood film and it's you know based on a true story and very often i don't know if you do this many people do i tend to afterwards not before but afterwards i'll then look up you know the person or the the event yeah, what that. happened and very often it's well this is what happened it was loosely like the film but not nearly as exciting or dramatic. And we threw that love interest in there because it just was lacking a bit of something. <laughs> so it's what they do, isn't it? You, you kind of, you spruce it up, you, you make it a little bit more exciting. So you're not, it's not fabricating things as such, no? but you're, you're jazzing it up. And um, and they've done that. And it's like, like he was saying in the show, it's not really aimed so much at Hearts fans, is it? It's a, a perspective from people who maybe don't follow Scottish football much or who are younger and didn't really didn't really know much about it or are completely yeah. out of the loop. Yeah, and, and Neil was saying um, before, I think it was either before or after we were recording, how he and um, the people he's working with produced four or five ideas, I think it was, if not more, and this was the one that they went for. So it's a it's a unique story. I mean, it was it was nuts. And for, for me now to look back and for everyone else to look back and, and see the kind of chronological order of how things happened in that that was, I think it was the day after Valdas was, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the same as Takis Fisas, who was told he has the flu prior to the cup game against Aberdeen, but Valdas was, was kind of helped, sent to a health spa, which, I mean, he, he wasn't well at the time. No. Um, having to deal with with Romanov, but 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 kind of still, um, and this happened the day after, um, around the time of Malafeev and and that. It's just something to look back on, and I I don't know. I mean, you've obviously edited a little bit of the the uh, the interview, and I'm not sure if you have kept in the bit where I said that Scottish football, on the whole, gives off so many more stories than it really should. Just daft and crazy stories. Yeah, and th- this was one of them. This was one of them, and it's, I don't know if it'll grow arms and legs over the years if, when you speak to Stephen or Craig or Paul in, in years to come, many, many years to come, but it was just it was just bizarre. Anybody who remembers that will know how bizarre it was. Yeah, I mean, moving on to the the actual podcast itself, I mean, it's it was, it was interesting enough, and because it's, you know, I don't think I could have handled an hour of that um, overly dramatic approach to it as a Hearts fan who obviously not experienced it as being involved in exactly what happened, but experienced it as a fan at the time and, and knows a fair bit about it. But for 20 minutes, it was it, it was, was reasonably fine. good. And you heard from Presley, you hear from Gordon, you hear from Hartley. Um, w- Well-constructed, if if overly overly dramatic. A nice reminder, you know, a nice enough reminder for Hearts fans, or if they're Hearts fans who aren't overly familiar with the story, it's a decent 20-minute listing. And there's a, a couple of wee tidbits that I've either forgotten or I didn't know couple of little bits in there which were which were good and um, what what we have though is is we have a very very well produced podcast and then we've got this which you do your best with limited resources we have a music at the end and that that's something else i wanted to say so because of all this covid nonsense and everything i i've not really listened 
I'm not kept up with the listening <laughs> no. to the podcast. You know, you know what's coming next, don't you? Are you going to talk about the, the Arbroath song? Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm driving in the car yesterday and I'm thinking, because I've not really, I've not listened to it before now. And then I've I never tell Arbroath. you these things. I just wait to see if you ever listen to them. <laughs> I do. I listen every week because always, I'm always intrigued because I, I actually think it's very smart what you do at the end because there's always a, um, there's always a, a kind of um, link <laughs> between the music. I mean, it's like using Nana's 99 Red Balloons at the end of the Hearts documentary on BBC One, um, part one, when, as Mark Benstead said, um, the playlist was like something from the Mobo Awards up until Nana showed up right at the end. <laughs> so we're just meandering along. We're pretty, it's weird watching it or listening to it out of sync because you kind of know what the result is. And then suddenly the phone goes at the end. I'm like, so I'm checking my phone. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm listening on. I said, what? That's not my ringtone either. And it's, hello, Arbroath Tourisport. And I'm like, what? What is going on? He normally plays music. Then this fucking nonsense began. I couldn't switch it off. I had the window down in the car. Yesterday was a beautiful day. Someone was looking at me as if to say, what is he listening to? I can't explain that. That was, that was great. Where did you get that from? Oh, the wonders of, of the internet. Um, what did you search for to get that? Our broth. <laughs> was it? Oh, right. I'm, I'm Googling it. All right. I'm just sticking our broth in a search engine. Well, open YouTube. Or, or what? Open YouTube oh, and search our broth. Okay. That was the first thing that came up. Oh, it wasn't the first thing, but I was trying to find... Uh, did you do our broth or our broth music? I think I put maybe our broth. Well, look. Just search our broth. Look how high it comes okay, up. Right, let's search our broth. What we got here? Another week in our broth. Is that mm-hmm. it? Nope. No. Third. Our broth 2020. Nope. Third. Third? But mine's different because I'm over here in the States, mind. It's, it's oh. YouTube.com. Oh, okay. The Declaration of Our Broth, uh, Forfar and Angus, Football and Angus. Um, no. It's not, see, it's not showing up here. So I would never, I would never even have known that. Let's see. Our Broth music. 74,000 views. Oh. Welcome to Our Broth by Chicken Pike. Yeah. Turtles on a Bus. <laughs> anyway, d- don't go back to our both. They, they don't like me. They don't deserve us the second podcast mentioned. Um, <laughs> Honest to goodness, that scared me. Right. Okay. So we've established that the giant podcast is very well produced, yeah, much, it, it, much it more professional than this podcast. Than this one, it, even it, if it's, even if it's over overly <laughs> dramatic when it comes to this. But a decent listen. Um, I guess it'd be interesting just quickly. You know, we don't just want to throw in there with there any sort of interaction i suppose with those of you listening um i got one of the lines at the end um when it, it mentioned about hearts in the present day and although you know although we're shite we're almost fan-owned basically uh, but and of course i'm paraphrasing but it then mentioned the nightmare of the romanov era erased in the present day but it's funny because i think on the whole I think a huge majority, an overwhelming majority, would not view it as a nightmare and it wouldn't want it to be something ever to be erased, which I guess some looking in might find that odd given obviously what he'd done, his actions almost sent us into oblivion very, very, very nearly, his financial mismanagement and then um, obviously the way it all came to an end. And then the fact that we obviously had to deal with basically the Lithuanian government to try and salvage the club. But because the club was salvaged, and I think that's maybe 
what tips obviously if we hadn't if we'd had to go down a rangers route it might have been a different feeling about it if we mm. had to you know start again effectively um or you know god forbid we just had disappeared completely maybe the feelings would be different but because we came out of the other end although there was some some hardship and now we've got hardship mark too although not related to that because we got out of it it's almost like well we can still look back at those good times and remember them fondly and although vlad was obviously completely off his head and um was a lunatic and a narcissist um you know i guess not to donald trump levels but uh, you know a little bit of that wasn't there um but because of the way we managed to come out the other side is that why we can still now look back and think of you know looking back at 0506 and think fondly about the the way the, how how outspoken he was towards the scottish media etc is that why we can still think of it as not as a nightmare but as a a brilliant period to be a hearts fan i mean so much to unpack with this one if you go back to when chris robinson was trying to sell Tynecastle and move us to Murrayfield and you gave Hearts fans the option of A and B but option option A was okay you move to Murrayfield that's you take your chance from there and the next 17 years will play out as thus then option B is is the way we went and it would have to be everything you couldn't just pick and choose it would be the good times the bad times um I think most Hearts fans are probably going to take option B in that the club had to be saved. Tynecastle had to be saved. Look at the job that everyone has done since then to get us to where we are now. But there's been so many hardships along the way. Um, we are where we are. We've, we've complained, understandably so, given the more recent issues. But ultimately, we got to where we got through Vladimir Romanov's illegality and his ill-gotten gains. Yeah, but in football, in, in, and that's that's not right. We were we were paying astronomical amounts of money to players that we'd never dreamed. We were playing, we were paying nearly old firm level wages to some to some players. Um, we couldn't we couldn't afford that. But it was a plan initially for him to come in when Lithuania got into the European Union to showcase the footballers from Lithuania, integrate them into a football team. It's basically a platform for mm. which he could use to sell on and make a lot of money. And it didn't really work like that. But he became very attached to it. We became very attached to him. And we're all hypocrites in a way in that we turn a blind eye to some bad things that he's done, but we like other things because he's bringing in these top players. And the only thing I'm reticent in, in saying I wouldn't change it is the people that lost their jobs and didn't get back into hearts and the, the heartache and the hardships that a lot of people um, ended up experiencing Yeah. who were involved in the football. I don't like that. I don't like that. But you've got to, you've got to look at both sides of the story here. What would have happened to these people if we'd gone to Murrayfield? Would we have dropped staff members? We would have lost things? No one knows. We only know option B. Um, but the stories were plentiful. The experiences were unbelievable. Um, going over to Kaunas and to, to Vilnius to interview Vlad and be shit scared and, and that he wanted the journalists to go down to the vault downstairs in his bank before he would. We thought, <laughs> wow, this would be some, we ain't ever getting out of this. But just 
that was then and, and, and this is now. We always is kind of well that ends well in that we now are, are, are fan owned. And I think we can kind of segue and I'm not having a running order to this show. It's not what we do, but I'm sure we're going to discuss the BBC documentary. And I found that very interesting and that some of the things that have, that have happened. But what Anne Budge has been able to do to come in and to, to put her, her money there when many others wouldn't. After what we've been through, the whole Save Our Hearts, the foundation of hearts and where we are now, it's taken a lot of hardship to get to where we are now. We're in a better place. We might not have as good players, but we're not paying them falsely. We're paying what we can afford. We don't have a turnover of 140-odd percent uh, wages to, to, to turnover ratio. So I'm okay where we are right now. And if I had to roll the dice as to where we could have been, Without being at Tynecastle, no, I'm not doing that because Tynecastle for me is is the spiritual home of heart of Midlothian Football Club and should always be thus. Okay, well here's I guess a sort of a way we can put it and we can maybe chat about it again next week because we have got other things to get to. But sure. Um, so we take the money field move out of it. So you have two options. One is at that time it's not Romanov who comes in but it is a similar maybe approach whether it's Anne Budge or just a consortium of fans or it is just the foundation but a group comes in it sets up a fan fan ownership type of model that we've put in place can save the club but we will be running you know as a as a proper your own operation there's no outside funds you're you're spending you, you know you're spending within your means um, so there won't be lavish wages going out. There's not going to be some fancy foreigners coming in that we wouldn't otherwise have seen, but there will be no danger of you know financial catastrophe. So you have that option um, in so what's it 2000 and kind of five ish when that happens 2004 2005 ish, and the next 15 years up until this point are you know they are what they are. They're they'll be going within a means. Maybe there'll be some success in there. Maybe there'll be some relegations. You don't know. Or the way it did go, if you had the choice, what do, what would you pick? Because it's it's very hard for me to say, yeah, I would have given that all up and just taken our chances within our means, which is terrible to say in in some ways because of what you said, because a lot of it was not, I guess, essentially right. If you want to, if you want to to look at it that way, yeah. But I, but oh five oh six, I'll never forget that season. Absolutely Memorable. incredible. And, and given, given, Laurie, given what we normally experience as Hearts fans, rarity is is winning a cup at Hamden. Yeah. League winners, no, that, that hasn't that hasn't happened. That's what we've got to look back on. And I, when 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 I think about when Romanov came in and we were paying reasonable wages, the pro the problem probably began when we won the cup in 1998. That's as far back as I think you can go because we've spoken about it before. We spoke about it with Tony Brown, his his book uh, about the cup when um, we'll go into further details. I'm looking forward to reading that. But the, the article in the evening news a couple of days after that or the following week after Hearts won the cup in 98 was we'll spend to match the old firm from Deans and Robinson. We just didn't know. Um, and ultimately they did. I mean, they spent a five-figure weekly wage on Gordon Petrich because there was money from from SMG, eight million, basically spend some of it or lose some of it. So it's it's easy sitting here looking back and go that shouldn't have been done or, or whatever. But we were in a mess, 
I remember the relief in the Gorgi suite at that AGM when Romanov kind of came in. Um, and I also remember the previous AGM and the vitriol and the hate. And I, I, having been at Scotland-England playoff at Hamden in 1999, that was, that was a very, very nasty atmosphere. We've all been to Hearts-Hibs games. I wasn't at Easter Road. Many were um, the first derby after Wallace Mercer's attempted takeover. Um, but what I do know is, is the atmosphere um, in that Gorgie suite, which was at least two, 300 more than capacity when Robinson had that AGM, was just horrible. Something had to be done. We ended up going down the road of desperation. Someone came in and the rest is history. Um, it's very intriguing to look back on it, though, isn't it? It is. So, so, so give us your thoughts on that and, and why you would choose a certain route. And we'll, we'll maybe touch on it again next week. Here's Liam Boyce now for Hearts. Midway inside the Cali half. Feeds it to the left to the onrushing Stephen Kingsley. Kingsley. Early ball into the area. Get out. Knocked a goal by Naismith. And there's the opener. As Jimmy says, simple as that. Just over 60 seconds into the second half. Fed out to Stephen Kingsley. Into the box. And Stephen Naismith directs it home. And opens the scoring here at Tynecastle Park. With his first of the campaign. Heart of Midlothian 1, Inverness, Caledonian Thistle nil, and it's the skipper who gets us off the mark. Andy's involved in the build-up too, obviously, but it's a good ball wide, isn't it? And it's, it's a ball in the box and it needs to be defended. I love wide balls coming into the boxes. There he is, slightly behind him on his left foot, knocks it into the far corner. Wonderful finish, great start to the second half. Irving, inside to Michael Smith. Naismith, oh, lovely ball to well. Lee into the area, right cut hand side, Smith. chance cut to back. cross, goes to the cutback, little back oh, heel, oh what a finish! Magnificent. Lovely finish and it's Liam Boyce who flicks hearts into a two goal advantage, super move, driven cutback from Ollie Lee and a little back heel by Liam Boyce and it slips under Mark Ridgers and hearts now two to the good with just over 20 minutes remaining. Liam Boyce with a cheeky, clever little finish there for his third of the season. Artem Midlothian 2, Inverness Caledonian Thistle 0. Well, there's no question he means it. I mean, you can see exactly what he's doing. It's a little cutback. If he actually gets out of the way of it, Michael Smith's going to tap it into the back post. But I wonder if Michael Smith's screaming for it to, <laughs> to ask him to leave it, but he doesn't. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's watching that little flick of the left foot. Just to try and wrong foot back Bridges. He does it. It comes off. Lovely, lovely finish. Off, off the back of a good move. Cali with the ball into the box from the right. Flick header towards Great. goal. It's a good header as well. And Cali are back in this one with five to go. And it's Aaron Doran, the substitute, who directs that header into the bottom left corner past the despairing hand of Craig Gordon. Good ball whipped in from the right. Doran with the header. And just like that, Hearts still have work to do. Excellent header from Doran. His first of the campaign. It's actually his third goal against Hearts in total. Hart to Midlothian 2, Inverness, Cali Thistle 1. The Hearts were in action at the weekend, um, just past. Following that victory over Hibs, of course, at Hamden and looking to keep up their winning start to the season as they played Inverness, Caledonian Thistle for a second time this campaign. First time in the league. Um, two changes from the win over Hibs and probably no surprise what the two changes were. It was basically the double substitution that happened at Hamden just before the hour mark but the change was made at the start of the game for this one with Jamie Walker and Jordan Roberts 
dropping out and Peter Haring and Stephen Naismith coming in. Um, System-wise, 442 Diamond is what I've seen most calling it. I think Mark referred to it as a 4132 last week, and I thought that's what it looked like for much of the, the early parts of the game against Inverness. So Craig Gordon in goals, Michael Smith right, Stephen Kingsley left back, Craig Halkett and Mihai Popescu in the centre, Haring sitting, Lee right, Halliday left, Naismith in the central role, and Boyce and Whiten up front. This was up against Inverness in their 4-2-3-1, which was unchanged from their win over Arbroath. Three former Hearts players starting, as well as Lone Rangers, on Lone Rangers player, Kai Kennedy, who I thought was one of their brighter um, brighter players. Um, boyhood Hibs fan and former Hibs under-19 captain, Sean Welsh, as well. So system-wise, Mark, is that what you... What you expected, I think it, it's what we we thought Robbie might do after it worked mm-hmm. against um, against Cali in the thirty minutes left of the ninety, and then at extra time after he made those changes. Yeah, and I think um, I know better played last night. He's five, but I think the back four now picks itself. Yeah, um, back five up until John. Yeah, plus goalkeeper up until mm-hmm. John Suter returns. That'll be if everyone's fit. That'll be the the team that's Definitely, probably going to play yeah. more often than not. And the middle to front is interesting. Good start for Peter Haring, and he it's slow. I mean, it was interesting listening back to was it Ryan McGowan or was yeah it was Ryan McGowan last week his his um his podcast with us, and he was talking about players who say they're out for twelve months. It's going to take eighteen months to get mm-hmm. back to where they were before they got hurt. I mean, Peter Haring hadn't played since the cup final and really shouldn't have played against Celtic, if I remember rightly. Uh, no, he was brought it was back a big risk. Game, yeah, yeah it, it was. And who knows, if he'd been allowed the rest then, would he come back quicker? Again, we're, we're, we're trying to change history and that's, that's impossible to do. It's a slow process. And the most interesting thing for me with this was, was not the game, Laurie. It was Robbie Nielsen's comments afterwards. And Robbie's an upbeat guy, so he's positive. But he, he was asked about how he felt after the 2-1 win because we played a lot better um, and we were hanging on a little bit after Aaron Doran scored late on. He says, I'm delighted. I says, I'll tell you why I'm delighted. Because after you've had the high and the huge high of beating Hibs in a National Cup semi-final at Hamden, forget the fact there were no fans there. It was a Scottish Cup semi-final. You'd beaten your biggest rivals. And Budge says it's the biggest game and most important game since she took over. It's what comes next. And Robbie used the phrase after the Lord Mayor show. And you can get the players up for it. You can hope they're up for it. But you don't know until they go onto the field of play what they're going to be doing. And we were fine. We got the job done. I thought the second half, certainly the start of the second half was better. The first half was disappointing. I thought we were slow and, and turgid in possession at, at <laughs> times. But with, with Haring back and slowly getting back in there, it's just game time. And I think... The more you think about the victory over Hibs, it's not a case of who gets into what team. It's the stages of preparation that we're at. We've not played anywhere near as many games. We still beat them. Whether that says more about us than them, I don't know. But for Robbie to say that he's delighted, it's good enough for me because we've got to get over this. It's not going to be a 5-0, 6-2 or whatever it is, win every week. But you, you do want to see some good performances. And we followed that with a scrappy win at our broth, which was, was fine. The Betfred Cup, we've done enough in games to win them. We've certainly not been spectacular. And then this, we were fine. And Boyce could easily have had a hat-trick. 
but we made it unnecessarily hard for ourselves. Yeah, Boyce obviously had a couple of chances in the first half, the second of which I think he'll be disappointed he didn't bury the header from a couple of yards after um, the free kick from, from the right was headed across goal by Halkett. Uh, first one maybe a little bit behind him, but like you say, the first half was a little bit slow. Um, second half, though, obviously started with with a bang, um, just over 60 seconds when the ball was played through to Boyce, played out to the left, bit of space from Kingsley. I do like that Kingsley and Smith will certainly push up, which does fit in if you want to do that sort of diamond, or if you want to play with no wingers as such, You know, if, if you allow them both to get forward, which they'd like to do. Um, it can certainly pay dividends, and it was a good ball from Kingsley, who's you know fast becoming one of our best signings of the summer, and a, a nice finish from Naismith, which I, th- I think is pleasing as well. You know, we, we're going to talk about Boyce in a moment getting the score sheet, but Naismith getting his first of the season. We, we we have spoken before about struggling to see where he fits in, and I think until the appearance against Hibs at Hamden, I was starting to doubt whether you know not whether he's going to have it, he's going to be useful at all, but is he just going to be this player who will use every now and again if we have to, or it'll be some of maybe the, the lesser games, or just as a a last minute option? But he really helped change the Hibs game, and I thought he looked reasonably effective in that second half, playing in almost the hole and getting into little spaces out wide and in the middle, playing some nice quick passes. The intrigue for me, Laurie, is going to be when Jamie Walker's fit and available. Yeah. Um, do you play him? and Naismith together, would that lessen the ability of Jamie Walker to have more of an influence? But Naismith made a difference when he came on against Hibs, and Naismith made a difference against Inverness. It's a conundrum for Robbie. What would you do? It's very hard. I think I think it's a good position to be in to have these options, and they're very different players. Um, you know, I, th- I think Walker will offer a little bit more in terms of an attacking threat that you can give the ball to and he'll maybe pick out a shot from 25 yards, pick out a nice, you know, pick out a nice goal. Whereas Naismith will maybe get more involved with getting the rest of the team um, into the game, if that makes sense. You know, when he's on his game, he's very good at coming along, playing some quick passes, getting people involved, geeing everyone up and getting the whole team playing well. Whereas Walker is almost a luxury player at times that you, he can pick out a big moment at times, which... You know, we might need in games that are a bit stodgy and we haven't found a way through. Um, the second goal I thought was a really nice one. That was um, 20 minutes to go. Um, first of the season for Boyce from open play, which I thought was a big moment for him as well. Lovely move, White and Smith, Irving, Naismith, then Ollie Lee involved in the setup play. Uh, good to see the likes of, I think, Lee getting involved and looking confident going forward. I thought he turned into a bit of a constant sideways and backwards passing under Levine at times before he got loaned out, whereas he seems to have grown in confidence a little bit, allowed to play forward a little bit more with some people behind him who maybe make it easier for him to think about what he's going to do moving up the park than what's happening behind him. But um, one thing that I took positive from with the game in terms of not just the first goal, but in particular the second, and some of our openings, Hearts in the past have played whole 90 minutes and not really ever looked like they had a good plan to get through. Um, Whereas I thought we still looked like we wanted to try and play some football and thread some balls through and play between the lines. And it was actually a couple of nice moves 
to create the two goals, which I think was encouraging because Inverness are one of the best sides in that division, and they were, they were well organised. They got players behind the ball. They frustrated us, and they you know they did try and play on the break and make, and catch us out. It didn't work on the whole, but it's a tricky game. And Hearts of the past, mm. despite despite the fact we're talking the championship, could have gone through that game and just resorted to firing balls over the top. But we didn't. You know, I thought that was encouraging the way that we still managed to find a way to open them up. And that's something Robbie wants. He doesn't want the. There's, there's a time where you have to, but mainly oh, yeah, he wants always to time play, play a bit of football. Um, I, I don't know if we'll run away with this league. I think we'll win it. I think we'll win it comfortably. Um, but teams will set up like Inverness did: four-two-three-one, five-four-one, whatever. A lot of them will do that when they come to Tyne Castle. Our, our, our joy might be more on the road this year when home teams are expected to come forward a little bit. But it's funny, I was having a conversation um, on a podcast about Serie A a couple of days ago, and we were talking about how weird and wacky sports results seem to be emanating right now based on the situation we find ourselves in, but the lack of crowds as well. Yeah. And, and there are there are teams who are suffering because of that, and there are teams, and especially players, who are actually benefiting from that. There's a number of players... I think Craig Whiten has actually benefited from there being no fans because yeah. the patience, there wasn't much with with him. So that's why you, you take that on a, a grander scheme and a, a grander scale. And we, we don't know if, if Hearts will end up with a better record at home or away this season. I would think it would be at home, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if we did have a better record or certainly as good a record on our travels given that there should be more of an encouragement for home teams to come out a little bit more when they host Hearts, whereas at Tynecastle, you saw what it was like at half-time. It's like, okay, how are we going to find a way to break through here? And we never really got the opportunity to to find that out last night because we were 2-0 up in, in a couple of minutes. I get that. But it's going to be interesting this season. It's just a different type of football we're used to, so more patience may be required. And, of course, Laurie, if Hearts fans are best known for, for one thing, it's patience, isn't it? <laughs> Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, a goal with four minutes to go made it maybe slightly nervy at the end. Wallace Duffy with a nice cross from the right, and it's a really good header actually from Aaron Doran. Um, third goal against Hearts for the Inverness player. But on the whole, we didn't look overly troubled throughout the game. Um, obviously, when you've only got a one goal lead, nerves will naturally kick in a little bit. But um, we didn't look in danger. At any point I thought of of losing that lead um, and now the only side in the championship with a 100% record and you know if you want to look at it from a pessimistic point of view that's just what we have to do if there's ever going to be a danger that football might not you know play out to the end or get you know curtailed early then we've just got to make sure we win every game that we play and right now points per game basis we're the best team in the league, and I think that's what we've got to keep doing. But big, big away test coming up, and we'll talk about. We won't talk about it just now because we will have a podcast um, before that game against Dunfermline. Um, but Laurie, I guess... Laurie, let's let, let's cut to the chase here. Before the start of our season, if someone had offered you what we've done, every single Hearts fan is taking. We've won all our games. And we've of beaten course, him and we're in the Scottish Cup final. Now. Then you get into the minutiae of how did they do it? Did they entertain me while I was watching on my Hearts TV subscription in Ward 9 while recovering? <laughs> but I did get my mention. 
That's the last one, I promise. It, it is what it is. We're expected to win in, in, the, in that league. We're expected to win in a bit of style, with a bit of flair. We have an opportunity to do that. We've done it once, maybe twice. Well, once. Dundee was, was really enjoyable. That's, that was very enjoyable um, in, in a way that we played some good football. It was great to be back. We scored six goals. Hibernian was, was, that was a ringer. We were pulled through the ringer. And it was extremely enjoyable, the, the result. And the other ones have been, well, that was expected. And it wasn't what we were hoping for, but we got the job done. That's not bad for me. You're not going to get brilliant every week. Just hope there's a, there's a fair few brilliance along the way. I'd like to think that was the case. Indeed, and that's probably a good segue into um, the next game, which we're not going to spend too much time on, but it would be uh, good to mention it because we would, of course, have taken um, all wins so far out of all our games, especially considering one of them was a semi-final against Hibs. But you then get to the point that we're not just going to not talk about how all those wins came about. Um, and Hearts played East Fife last night um, at the time of recording. That's Tuesday the 10th of November in the Betfred Cup. Their last Betfred Cup game with qualification all but secured. Although not guaranteed 100% before the game. But the aim would be to win the group and get 12 points. And then they've got a chance of getting seeded in the next round. But very clear that Robbie Nielsen does not see this, and quite rightly, doesn't see this as important as the league, um, which is why we saw a lot of changes again. So there's eight changes to the team for this, um, and we went with a 4-3-3 formation, so Ross Stewart and goals, Brandon right back, White left back, Popescu and Christoph Berra in the centre, Lee Irving McGill in the middle. Uh, it started with Freer on the right and Henderson on the left, although they did swap during the game. And Craig Whiten was up front. So, Christoph Berra's first Hearts game since Boxing Day last year, when he played against Hibs. And his first game at all in eight months. Um, turns 36 in less than three months now, Mr. Berra. Third game for young McGill, 18. Um, and chances for the likes of Stuart and Goals, Jamie Brandon, Elliot Freer and Ewan Henderson to try and impress and maybe put their... Um, put their name into Robbie Nielsen's thoughts for starting 11s in the, shall we say, the bigger games. Also, one to watch, incidentally, he didn't get on, but number 49 on the team sheet, Aidan Denham, who turned 17 the day before the game, is apparently a very talented youngster, an attacking midfielder that we should keep our eye on. And I like that. I like that Robbie's integrating um, some of the talented youngsters that we have at the football club, because that isn't about him getting on, that, that's just about him being part of a, a first-team squad. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there was th- it was um, Aaron Darge and Cammy Logan also mm-hmm. on the bench as well. Cammy Logan, who has made that appearance before for Hearts against Kilmarnock at the end of the season just two or three years ago. Um, crazy start, though. 20 seconds in, a goal, and <laughs> the thing that amused me most was East 5 kicked off, um, and then they were behind in less than 20 seconds, which... Um, we- Probably can just about laugh at it because we managed to scrape through with the victory, but um, not the most encouraging start from their perspective. Ewan Henderson d- did well, cut it back. Uh, lead was doubled. It was Ollie Lee who got both goals. The lead was doubled after a corner was played low to him by Andy Irving and he fired in at the near post. Um, East Fife got back into it. I thought maybe Stewart could have done better, possibly pushed the first shot around the post. Um 
cracking goal from Andy Irving. I don't know if you've seen that yet, Mark. Yeah, I saw someone put a... That uh, was a cracker. Is it a GIF, GIF or a GIF? A GIF. I thought it was. Someone said it was a GIF. I'm like, no, no, no. It's what you use to clean things. <laughs> I was super, super strikes. Um, someone just put, put a tweet out. Uh, a, a, a stunner or a cracker from the Porti Pirlo. And it Indeed. was super goal. Indeed. Um, the the Perth to Paisley lads. So it was. Um, it came from them. It was Adam Kennedy from that show that named him the the Porti Pirlo. And I I have so far refused to to use that reference in commentary, but. I might have if to give in. He scores the winner in the Scottish Cup final. You'll be using that. I might have to give in. Um, uh, it, it might it might be more popular than doing shout outs. So yeah, well, I'll. <laughs> <laughs> but a cracking goal, a cracking goal, probably the highlight of the game. But then didn't take long for the sloppiness to kick in and simple ball over the top. Berra had just headed clear the previous ball and got caught um, out of position slightly and. East Fife got back in and could easily have levelled. There was some penalty shouts. I think a few of them were not penalties, but one looked like it could possibly have been given, and they had a great chance at the end, which they spurned. Um, clear chance, one on one with the goalkeeper, but we held on. Um, not going to go into it much, but overall, Mark, you know, having not seen it, but the fact that we struggled, I guess it maybe doesn't say much for our strength and depth. I mean, some of these players, I think, will be okay if they're thrown into a game and the rest of the 11 are their, our strongest team. So if you throw a Henderson in, but the other 9 or 10 are the usual picks, or you throw a, a Freer in, um, or maybe a Brandon. But if we get four or five of our first team out, I, we're going to have games where it's going to be a bit of a slog. I think I, I read one tweet um, following the game that simply said, if that back four plus goalkeeper ever play again together for Hearts, it's too soon. Um, <laughs> maybe that was Hearts. I don't know. It's, it, unless, unless we're one of the twenty or fifteen to twenty who were on lampposts or ladders behind the goal, or paid ten quid to East Fife, you're basing it on other people's. And you know what? You know what? You know what people are like. We're not. They're nasty at times. And so, did you say someone shouted at, at Christoph? Well, yeah. So I, I did on. joke in the game that. Um, look what happens, you know, <laughs> hearts with no fans and everything's going swimmingly, you, you throw 15 or 20 of them leaning over a wall and suddenly it all goes to shit again and Craig Whiten forgets that he's, <laughs> forgets that he's a striker again and, and we can't defend. Um, but yeah, there were some fans there and <laughs> look, Berra, he started okay, but the second half he just really started to struggle when the game got stretched and he, he got taken off and you could see it coming. You have to, I mean, he is, as I mentioned at the start, he's pushing 36. He hasn't played for eight months. But when he got subbed, you could clearly hear someone from behind the goal shouted along the lines of, better, you're effing shite. And, um, Come on, there's no need for that. Everyone could, cl- could clearly hear it because obviously there wasn't much else in the way of noise at that point. You know what's weird, Laurie? Would you say that to Christoph Berra or anybody else? If he was walking down the street or coming towards you, would you just look at him and go, by the way, Christoph, or by the way, Berra, you're shite? Of course you wouldn't. I mean, why Why? why are we suddenly... Uh, and again, that's that's maybe a, a route we, we don't need to go down right, right now. What, give, what, gives someone the, what gives someone the right? To, uh, 
We've all done it. This is this is the hypocritical. This thing. is the th- yeah. Wrong. I was going to say. Oh. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't say it to a person, but in a football stadium, I don't think I've just said. It to makes it, it okay. Does it? I don't think I've said to. No, no. But I'm just saying. I've been watching Hearts, and I've, I don't think I've ever said you're fucking shite. But I've said that was shite, or what the fuck is that X or whatever. You know, I'm, I was joking with Gowser, you know, because we've obviously been chatting with Ryan a fair bit, and I said to him, I was like, when we were, I can't remember when it came about, I was like. I've probably shared with you a few times. Like, what the fuck was that, Gowser? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, what, what did he say he got a shout? We were trying to see if he'd ever got some abuse. And I think he said, not from a Hearts fan. Kangaroo um, Shagger or something. Kangaroo Shagger, but he wasn't. It was the Hibs fans that he still already said were calling him a Kangaroo Shagger, which is. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Well, not literally. But <laughs> no, I no. Not, it's not exactly going to stop you from sleeping at night, is it? No. It's one of those things. I mean, I think it's actually worse, though. It's like, you know. It's like if someone's doing stand-up comedy and it's probably easier in front of hundreds and hundreds of people than in a bar with, like, five. And all you can hear is the one person who's saying nasty things. It's like that, isn't it? It's worse than having having 10,000 people boo at you, probably just hearing one person say, you're fucking shite. Is it a show-off thing? Is it only, you only do it if there's people around you? Because if, if there was just one guy behind the goal, if it was the same guy, I guess I mean look, it'll, it'll be frustration. And I did say, to, I said to a few of the guys, I was like, look, that's probably what happens. That's that's like half a year of not being able to let off some steam at the football. <laughs> I mean, you have got to give them that. It's like, they're probably used to just having a little grumble here or there. But um, it's what it's a tough one with Berra because he's obviously he's 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 done a lot for Hearts down the years. But we know he was he was struggling so much last season. And, you know, apparently he did quite well at Dundee, by all accounts. I, I didn't see much of him beyond a few clips myself. And he's going to be very rusty. Maybe there's going to be games this season where he can be used. Um, I can't see him being much more than backup a squad player. He'll be fourth, he'll be fourth choice after Suter returns. Yeah. Um, before he returns, he's, he's, he's a backup. He's a, he's a third choice. I, I think at his stage of his career... I still think he he can be a a big part of the football club as an influencer in the dressing room. Um, going back and I, I don't know how you listen to podcasts or whatever, but when one finishes, it goes on to the next one. So I finished last week's Our Broth Spectacular or whenever that was after I've listened <laughs> to the Ryan one, and it automatically went on to to Craig Gordon um, and his his podcast, and he was talking about how he'll it's not going to go on forever, and if he can leave. Um, hearts whenever he does with uh, having had an influence on Harry Stone and other goalkeepers and Christoph's exactly the same he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet he's desperate for the club to do well whether he's playing or not and if he's not he's desperate to help young hearts players in his position or just kids at the football club better themselves that's the type of player you want around not necessarily going to start every week he might hardly start at all this season but his influence around the football club I'm all for that so uh, I mean, we got there in the end. That was yep, yep, that was yep. the main thing, and it's not always going to be spectacular. I think the big problem will be if there's prolonged periods where we're playing poorly in the league and we start dropping points. I think that's where we're going to be worried. I mean, you look at just last year. I know it was a poor Hearts team, but we went there. We couldn't win in ninety minutes, and we lost on penalty kicks. Um, and we've seen just at the time of recording, you know, Hamilton, who I know are in absolute freefall, they've just lost to Stranraer. So, um, some of these games, it's just about getting the result. And we did it with a second string side 
most of, you know, well, you know, certainly what, seven, eight of those players are not going to be first team picks unless we're, we're, you know, we're low in numbers because of suspensions or injuries. So I'm not too worried yet. It was a bit brutal on the eyes, but the important stuff is the likes of the next game when we, when we played on Firmland. Okay, I think that's about it for this week. Um, no game to preview, so we'll maybe have a, a follow-up chat next week. So again, we're looking at the Romanov side of things. We'll pro- probably we'll probably have an angle to to take that by. But the main question, I think, Mark, was how would you would you take the Romanov era and all the the downs that have have gone with those ups? Um, if you had the choice between that and just stability over that whole period and being run um, and being uh, and obviously spending within our means and, and being run like a, a proper business and uh, maybe a, a better functioning football club over that time, but not having those those stars, even if it was briefly and even if it was never going to last. Never, never mind the stars. We wouldn't have had Tyne Castle. So, well, that's what I mean. If you take that out of the mix, because Tyne Castle is is what I'm voting for. Well, it's an easy one with that. But I said, if you, if you could pick fan ownership starting back then, staying at Tyne Castle, but no extra money for those good times, potentially no cup finals, um, but no financial issues, would you take that over over the ups and downs of of being operated? By a by a Lithuanian madman, well, a Russian madman. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Normality is boring. <laughs> Indeed. And with with the greatest of respect to those who lost their jobs as a result of the redundancies following uh, Vladimir Romanov's time at the football club, it gave us memories which we would never have had otherwise. Gave us players to watch on a weekly basis we would never have seen unless we turned our TV on and Hearts weren't playing. So. I, I'd take that. I'd, I'd take the the roller coaster ride over a period of kind of stability, whereby a fourth or a third place finish would be an achievement. Would we even have had the cup wins um, subsequently? We've had. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, '98. Say what you like. Was is still for me the cup final because that got the monkey off the back. That was that ended all the 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 kind of heartache that. Most of us had seen, um, if we weren't old enough to have been around in, in 1956, the last time Hearts won the Scottish Cup, or 1962, the last time Hearts won the League Cup, it ended a, a 20, oh, sorry, a 36-year reign of terror. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll go for the Romanov um, side of the argument um, this time. Would be what would be interesting, or what would be what would be funny to. Just to hear what Vlad would have reacted to when he when he saw that, probably with a with a gif of a monkey playing a piano, <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> anyway, well, we'll maybe talk some more about Vlad next week, and we will then look ahead to Friday night football, which will be Hearts' next game against Dunfermline. But um, until then, enjoy the international break, whatever you're doing, and um, yeah, we'll see you next time.
all your pins Then blocked your number from my phone 